0: porch come on come on come on come on so great uh, to be back with you this evening and so uh uh, recently I took my family to Waco my wife is from Waco and so yeah and some some of you are too and uh and so we went to Waco and there's this thing there called um the the BSR cable park okay so it's like if you have ever been wakeboarding there's these things called cable parks where they like pull you around on a wakeboard on a cable and there's also this thing they're called the royal flush okay you probably have no idea what I'm talking about but it's these crazy slides that like should be illegal okay because they shoot you up and just like launch you and it's like some college kid is running it I remember getting to the top of it looking down this really steep slide and uh and somebody had just gone and and I looked at him and I'm like hey can I go and he was like I don't care when you go I'm like oh okay good so it's safe and uh and, and it's just the craziest thing. And it just, you go down this slide at like a, like 600 miles an hour and then it shoots you up in like 50 feet in the air. Like here's a picture, just okay. So that's the slide, right? And that's, that's me. And so... And so it's just like the second you, you, you're going down it, it's like, what did I just do? And then it just launches you uncontrollably in the air, and you're kind of like, oh, no. And so I thought I would take, you know, my five-year-old, my nine-year-old, and my seven-year-old. This is going to be fun. And like my, my, but I was so proud of them. I was so proud of them because they all went down it. You know, a proud dad. My, my daughter was like, man, she like got in the water, hit the water, was like, I was not ready for that, you know, and I was like, I I understand, I understand, but my son, my son goes down the slide, and he's headed down, and he spreads his legs, and he grabs the side, and he stops right in the middle of it, and he's like, no, I can't, I can't, I'm like, buddy, there's no turning back now, you got, you got no options, there's no way off the slide, so you have to, to to go down it and it just this idea that we were talking afterwards like oh man i wasn't you know i wasn't ready for that i don't know and it reminded me of this meme have you seen this meme it says <laughs> this is me sliding into adulthood See, I think that's like some of us, like life is just like, you know, there's kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, you know, then junior high, then high school, then college. And then it's like all of a sudden, ah, we're just kind of flying, flying, you know, and flailing through the air. It's like, I wasn't ready for this. And then what do you do? You're kind of like, okay, I don't like, like, is this the real world? Like, I think I'm going to go back to college. You know, maybe I'll, I'll go back. Maybe, maybe grad school, that sounds pretty good right now. And then what you do, you're like, man, I don't, I don't know about this job. Like, I think I got the wrong job and I need to go find the right job. And so you, you begin to jump around and, you, you know, then you start thinking, you know, maybe I need to move. You get real philosophical. You ever done this? You're like, what if I had a, you know, a hut on the beach <laughs> and I just surfed? It's like, have you ever served? No, but I bet I could. <laughs> bet I'd be good. And maybe you're philanthropic or benevolent. You're like, I mean, maybe I'll move, you know, to a third world country and start an orphanage, and that's awesome, man. Good for you, right? But it's like, is this, is this the real world? I wasn't ready for this. And so we're wrapping up our series, asking for a friend, and and the question I want to answer is. How do I get ready for what's next? How do I get ready for the real world? I was going to call it, how do I adult like a boss? But they were like, no, don't do that. <laughs> and then it was how to crush adulting. And they are like, no. So how to get ready for whatever's next. Um, I, I think for so many of us, what we need is to gain wisdom. The Bible talks a lot about getting Wisdom. Uh, get it at all cost. And in fact, Proverbs four: seven says, "The beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. And I think so many of us, we want a mentor. And I've talked to some of you. You're like, hey, I'm like, who do you want a mentor? You know, a godly man? Yeah, a godly man. It would be cool if he was rich, really successful, you know, uh, could tell me how to find a great woman. And so it's like we want someone who is wise. And so tonight you're going to learn from someone who is very wise. It's not me. The wisest man who has ever lived. Solomon, King Solomon. In 1 Kings, it says that Solomon had an opportunity to ask God for something. And he said, who am I, just a boy? Because God had favor on his father, who was King David. And Solomon says, who am I, just a boy? How can I rule all these people? Lord, would you give me wisdom? Would you give me discernment? Help me to know right from wrong. Help me to lead your people. Then it says that the Lord was pleased with him, and because he had asked for wisdom to lead the people, God also gave him riches, And he gave him honor and and he gave him fame. And so, this is who Solomon is. Like, I want you to understand that. As we think about how to get ready for whatever's next, Solomon wrote a book called Wisdom. In fact, when I was younger, before I was a Christian, I said, hey, my dream job would be to have an advice, an advice line, like 1-800-ask-for-advice. You know, and I would just sit there and give people advice all day. I remember telling my friend this, this, this in college, like, this would be my dream job, just to give advice. And kind of, I have my dream job, because what happens, you guys email in all the time, like, well, I'm dating this boy, and what would you do if, and so I just kind of give advice all day. But you don't want my advice. When you can get wisdom from the creator of the heavens and the earth, that's a much better place to get advice. And what's funny about that slide that I showed you up front is on YouTube, there's all these fail compilations, like people who've gone off that slide and landed on their head or their back or their stomach, like my family's on, probably on some of them. And, uh, and none of us want to get to the end of this life and our life to be one big fail compilation. Like, none of you here tonight are like, man, when I grow up, I really hope I'm an alcoholic. But some of you will be. You're not like, man, I really hope, you know, to give marriage a try a couple times. Have a few divorces under my belt. That's that's what I'm dreaming for. But statistically, that will be about half of your story. Some of your stories already. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad or or give you shame. I'm just saying these. the natural drift down the slide is toward ruin and destruction. Like that's where we go if we don't gain wisdom. We drift toward negative outcomes that no one wants. No one's like, man, I really hope one day I'm a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. And yet it happens all the time. And it happens because of choices you make in your 20s in your 30s, and so I want to talk with you about how to get ready for what's next, and we get to gain wisdom from the wisest man in the world. I'll tell you just a little bit about this guy. He lived in 970 to 931 BC. He was a king, and not just a man of power. He was a king that other kings came to and paid for consulting. He was a rich man. When I say rich man, he uh, earned the modern day equivalent of a billion dollars a year Okay, that's not net worth, that's income, a billion dollars a year. He would throw parties, like the most epic parties you can imagine. 22,000 heads of cattle were on the menu for one of his party. And in addition to that, 150,000 sheep and goats. Like these are the kinds of parties that this man threw. And he had women, 700 wives and 300 concubines or prostitutes, which you say, like some of the guys are like, well, he doesn't sound very wise because that's a lot of presents and and roses and whatnot, but but here's... Here's what you need to know. That was actually his downfall. It was a step in the wrong direction, his disobedience. And that's what what brought him to ruin at some point in his life was that poor choice. And so he's a man of power. He's famous. Everyone knew who he was. Everyone still does. You can go. His palace where he lived, talk about cribs, where he lived took 13 years To build, he had over 30,000 employees, 30,000 personal assistants. These are people that not worked for his company, but worked for him personally. Secular sites, you can go on secular websites and search the richest man who has ever lived, and you will see people who reject the Bible as truth, acknowledge Solomon, who everyone would agree was a, a king in history. In fact, you can go to Bethlehem right now, and about five five kilometers southwest of Bethlehem, you're going to see what's called Solomon's Pools. They're still there, they were used to water his garden. Don't think garden, think more amazing than any arboretum that you've ever been to. Think forest with flowers. That's this guy. And so we're going to get to learn from him because he wrote a book called Proverbs. It's most of his writings or things that he captured from other kings and collected and put it in a book of wisdom in the scriptures. My preference would always be to teach a passage of the Bible, to highlight Jesus and present the gospel to you. Okay, but tonight's going to be a little different. Tonight I'm going to teach through a book verses. Usually I teach how many points? three points. Uh, Tonight, I'm going to teach 10. We're going to fly. It's going to feel kind of like a Chris Pratt speech, okay? And so, so stay with me drinking from a fire hydrant as we look at 10 pieces of wisdom that will help you get ready for whatever is next. And the first one is this, pay attention to what you pay attention to. Pay attention to What you pay attention to. That is, give careful thought to your thoughts. Uh, It says this in the Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 15. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. It says in 14 verse 12, there is a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. You think it's the right way, but if you go that way, it's going to kill you. This is why I say this here. This is why this is important and it's number one on the list. Because thoughts take you places, right? Just by thinking, you can bring yourself to a place of panic and anxiety and unrest just from your thoughts. A thought can get lodged in your head that will impact the direction you go. In fact, somebody said it like this. Sow a thought, you reap an act. Sow an act, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. Sow a character, and you reap a destiny. They're connecting your destiny to your thought in a moment. Let me show you how this plays out. What I'd love you to do For just a minute for just a few seconds in campuses you can do this too wherever you're at I'd love for everyone to close their eyes for just a minute just close your eyes for just a minute now let's just presume that every way would lead to death any way you could go would lead to death except north if you go north you'll live I want everyone to point north everyone point north Okay, now I want you to open your eyes and look around. (laughs) Campuses. All right, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. None of you really pointed north. You may have maybe even pointed in the direction. You may have pointed in the direction of north. Wherever you were, campuses, whatever, you may have pointed in the, in the general direction, but none of you pointed due north. And some of you pointed straight up in the air, which is confusing to me, okay? <laughs> I don't know what to do with that, but, but let's talk afterwards, okay? And, and so what I want you to know is what you think It matters because it takes you places. And so right about now you think, but yeah, that's not a big deal because, because I could just have, I have a compass on my phone. I can pull out the compass and it will tell me which way north is. That's exactly right. What you use as a source of wisdom really matters because it takes you places. So consider carefully what you pay attention to. Number two, get out of debt and stay out get out of debt and stay out. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. I often, Monica and I often get to do premarital counseling where we meet with a couple who's about to get married. And a lot of times what happens in that conversation is we'll learn that one of them or both of them has debt, sometimes a lot of debt. Maybe it's student loans and a car loan, and, and it's just compiled, maybe credit cards that they haven't paid off, and and they get to this place, and they start to feel shame and guilt because their debt is about to be their debt, collective, right? And, uh, and the other person, when you think about sharing all things in marriage, he, a lot of times you don't think about, oh yeah, I'm gonna start off $100,000 in the hole. Like, that's really the choice that I'm making. And I don't say that to make you feel shame. I say that so that you might consider that now is the time for you to get out of debt. And you think, man, there's no way I can. And I would say there I've seen people do it. And here's how you do it. You live below your means. You give as much as you can. And you use all of the rest to pay bar tabs. No, debt. Debt. (laughs) Cell phone bills. No, debt. Right? Consider your car. Can you drive a cheaper car? Can you get out of that debt? Could you drive a cash car? All right? And it never fails to surprise me when someone has $100,000 in debt and a brand new forerunner. It's always confusing to me as well. And so consider how you might get out of that debt. Uh, that's going to prepare you well for later. And so the, the third point that I want to give you from the book of wisdom, is deal with addictions now. Now is the time for you to deal with addictions. Proverbs 11, verse 6 says, The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. It's Proverbs 11, verse 6. Let me explain to you what addictions are like. Addictions are like you have, anybody have a pet, a puppy, or kitten or anything any any bird owners we're a bird family I see you we got birds um it's like you have a pet lion and you love it and it's cuddly and it purrs when you pet it and it comes up with its nose and nuzzles up against you it's really cute makes this cute sound And you feed your lion, you love your lion, you feed him, he grows up and he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden Simba, right, is king of the jungle. He's got the sharp teeth and everything. And and you were the master of the lion, but now the lion's master of you. At its will, it can devour you. But you can't kill the lion because it's your pet. You love him. You've grown to cohabitate with him. He's kind of become a part of you. And you don't realize that any minute he's going to eat you for lunch. And so here's my question. What are you addicted to? So the people who are really bad off, they don't think they are addicted. It's the ones that are like, man, I know exactly what I'm addicted. Those I have hope for. Like they're probably going to get well. It's the ones that don't realize that they are addicted to alcohol. They are addicted to money, to drugs, to pornography, to shopping, right? Those those are the ones that I am concerned about. And the problem is, with the analogy of the lion, when you feed something, it grows. It gets bigger, and so you think like, oh, I can stop drinking any time, man. It's not a problem. Just one last time. No, I'm going to go out one last. See, what, what you're doing is you're feeding something. When you feed something, you go, I'm going to look at that one last time. I'm going to call him one last time. I'm going to go there one last time. I'm going to watch that one last time. This is the lie of one last time. You just fed it a little food and it got bigger. So the next time is going to be harder, more Difficult because you grew an appetite for it. I've been doing this like no sugar thing. Yeah, <laughs> pray for me. Ketogenics, anybody, paleo, whole 30 people, pray for them. And so <laughs> so no sugar, so the, right off the bat man, is real hard. Like the cravings are uncontrollable. Like you just, you walk by the bakery Okay, I just went there for fun. Um, and, and you see the eclair, and they're just calling your name, you know. And, and it's so difficult. Like, I can't, you couldn't sleep at night. Just, you know, I'm like so hungry for dessert. Like, we're a dessert family, you know. And so we had, I'm so hungry for dessert. But, but what happens, and I read about this, and I began to experience, but if you, if you stop eating for you you sustain, okay, the cravings go away. I never would have thought that happened. But the cravings went away, but I made a mistake. I ate one cookie. (laughs) And it was just like I was starting all over. They were were all right back on me. it took the same amount of time for them to go away. See, when you starve something, you feed something it grows, you starve something it dies. So starve addictions, now's the time to starve addictions. Number four, make friends that make you better. Make friends that make you better. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. It's Proverbs 13, verse 20. And so the, the reality is you are the average of your five closest friends. You are the average of your five closest friends. So be careful who you choose as your favorites in your phone, who your friends are. because And maybe you think, yeah, but I, you know, I can't just leave my friends. No, 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 no. You can't just leave your faith. You can leave your friends, okay? But the reality is your friends are going to pull you down. So make friends that make you better, okay? Uh, like it, it's so much easier to pull someone down than it is to pull them up, okay? You, you get that? It's so much easier to pull someone down than it is to pull them up. Come, come here for a second if I, if I can borrow you for just a minute. It's my man here. So I'm just going to. Just to prove this point. Pull you. No, no, you don't put your foot up there. <clears throat> Help me. Okay, now you pull me down. No, you, no, just pull me off here. Okay, and I didn't mean like that. Wow, okay. You didn't have to get violent. Jeez. Get back up here. I'm back, Fort Worth. Uh, uh, point proven, okay? It's a lot easier to pull someone down than it is to pull them up. Okay, let me recover for a minute. Pulled something. Uh, And so I said this at launch, what some of you need to hear, change your playmates in your playground. Change where you go for fun and who you hang out with. But I can't just abandon my friends. No, you can't just abandon your faith. Number five, inform your heart before you follow it. Inform your heart before you follow it. Talking about how you prepare for what's next in life. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It's Proverbs four twenty three. Okay? This is the lie of follow your heart. Jeremiah tells us, your heart is wicked and deceitful. It's beyond cure. Who can trust it? And yet we trust it. And yet the Holy Spirit gives you a new heart. Regeneration. You have God's spirit at work in your life. And so how do we reconcile those ideas? Here's how you reconcile. Before you follow your heart, you inform your heart. You tell it where to go. Your heart is like a bloodhound on a scent. Do you understand the metaphor? It's like you've given it a scent, and it's looking for the scent that you gave it, okay? It's searching for more of what you've shown it, what you've listened to, what you've heard, what you've watched on TV, what you like, what your affections are. And so your heart is on that scent, and it's looking for that thing. And so let me me change metaphors for a minute. Like a GPS or a navigation system, right? A navigation system is going to take you somewhere. But you would never follow a navigation system unless you put in the address. Then you say, hey, this is where I want to go. Now is the time to tell your heart where you want to go, to feed it, to inform it, to let it feast on the word of God so that it knows what to look for. Because it's looking for what you're showing it. So if you're entertained by drama, it's looking for drama. You're like, how come I can't find a good guy? Because you've told your heart to look for a terrible guy. That's why. So what if you informed your heart better? Inform your heart before you follow it, right? And I talked to a girl, they're like, man, I just can't get over my ex. I don't know how I'm ever going to get over my ex. Hey, let me give you some advice, okay? Stop looking at his Instagram feed, okay? Like, how is it good for your heart you seeing him with another girl? Like, how is that a good idea? Of course you can't get over your ex. You're, you're intentionally not letting your heart get over your ex. That's what you're doing, right? And, and some of you are like, man, I hate being single. I can't stand it. I woke up. If I see another, if I get invited to another wedding, I'm gonna... And <laughs> I'm not scared. I'm not scared. And so... But that's because, I mean, you're listening to, you know, these love ballads, right? Selena Gomez telling you, the heart wants what it wants. Stop stop doing that, okay? You're watching the rom-coms. You're feeding your heart. you're, You're just teaching yourself discontentment. Comparison is the thief of joy. I'm not confused as to why you have no joy. All you do all day, every day is compare yourself. Like... Like, get rid of the, the Pinterest folder of wedding dresses. That's going to help you. You're like, no, do I have to? Yes, you have to. Number six. Know what is evil and avoid it. Know what is evil and avoid it. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, "The fear To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. There's been something happening in our generation I want to make you aware of. And there's there's a lot of talk around tolerance. Let me read you the definition of tolerance from the dictionary. This is now labeled old tolerance because the definition has changed on our watch. In our lifetime, old definition, the ability or willingness to endure the existence of opinions or behavior that one dislikes or disagrees with. To endure the ability to endure someone that you disagree with, who thinks in a way that you disagree with. But new tolerance, says, new tolerance says accepting different opinions as right. Now this is completely crazy. It is impossible for two people who believe opposites of each other and they have to look at each other and say, yeah, we're both right. When you can't both be right. This is, this is a terrible definition of tolerance. In fact, we are intolerant to old tolerance. To what has always been tolerance is what we've grown intolerant to. And so why tolerate something God hates? And you say, because I love. That's right. You should love. You should love. And love is always going to be paired with truth and grace. Right? Right? And so don't tolerate evil. Stand up against it courageously. If you see a racial injustice, I hope you speak up. If you see any kind of injustice, I hope you're the loudest voice in the room. And don't tolerate what God doesn't tolerate. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. It's been well said. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. And likewise, if a brother or sister in the faith is bringing harm to themselves, help them. And so there's this other part. Let me just read the proverb to you again. It says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. And so here's what I would say here. Don't be entertained by what Christ died for. You hear me on that? Like... Like, I just went on the Billboard chart yesterday and just looked at the top five songs. The number, that one, two, three, four, five songs. And, like, you wouldn't believe how much I think Satan glories in those songs. Like, what they said is crazy. As I'm talking about Nicki Minaj. I'm talking about Cardi B. I'm talking about Post Malone. I'm talking about 6 9 and some of you are like, no, not Post Malone. No, man, that's my boy. Listen, I love the beat. Can I, can, I, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something crazy? I love the beat. Man, I love it. Like, this brother's gifted, man. But I'm afraid that I'm, that's how I'm going to have to explain it to Jesus. Like, we're going to be like, well, dude, what were you doing? I'm like, well, Jesus, did you hear the beat? <laughs> it was It was amazing. No, I, know, I mean, I know what he was talking about, killing people and popping pills and calling girls. I, I know. But the beat, Jesus. <laughs> I, I remember being at a party right after I had become a Christian. I had new ears, you know, and listening to everything through a new lens. And it was my, my, my favorite song. This is back in the day. It was 50 Cent. And, uh, and, um, and I had danced to this song, like, countless times. Like, love, we were, I was with some friends. We were dancing. And... And I just started listening to words. I'm like, oh, oh, he, he's talking about raping women for profit and selling them and finding glory in that. That's, that's what I've been bobbing my head to. I never even, I never even realized. And I, I can only imagine how Satan just receives that as worship. Like just glories in that, man. It brings him so much gladness in his heart. Number seven, identify idols and rid your life of them. Identify idols and rid your life of them. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I have too much and disown you and say, I might have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? or I may become poor and still and so dishonor the name of God. It's Proverbs 30 verses 8 and 9. And so this is where Solomon ultimately missed it, where he married women who worshiped other gods, who led him to worship other gods. He followed them into worshiping other gods. And so we think, hey, who has an idol? And you think, well, I don't have an idol. I don't have like a gold statue in my house or a thing that I that I offer, you know, sacrifices to. But so many of us tonight are worshiping idols and you've got to hear this. And so it may be your work. Okay. It Make, it could be what you do for a living. It, it could be working out, like you love to work out and you're looking in the mirror and you're obsessed with your body and you're, you know, you're constantly trying to figure out you know, where your body fat is or whatever. It could be hobbies that you spend too much time doing. It could be a relationship or a phone or it could be marriage. Like I said, if you have that Pinterest folder, it could be marriage, right? And you say, well, how do I know if it's an idol? Well, does it control your emotions? Because whatever controls your emotions is what you worship. Whatever makes you happy and sad. That's, that's an object of worship. And maybe an idol you need to smash. And so is God the most important thing in your life? The only way I know to kill an idol is to replace it with a greater idol. And so you learn to love God more than any other thing that your heart is chasing. You feed your heart the things of God. That your heart would grow a taste for God and love God above everything else. Number eight, become smaller. Become smaller. Or realize you are. Proverbs 16 verse 18 says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So this is relevant to you like if you ever walk into a room and you wonder what everyone is thinking about you do they like my shirt do they like my shoes? what are they thinking about me can I give you can I give you just a tip here i 'm going to tell you what they 're thinking they're thinking they're wondering what you 're thinking about them <laughs> that's what they're thinking okay that's where their mind is and so you can stop worrying about what everybody's thinking about you here's the re- here's the truth about you You may not like this, but you are unbelievably expendable. When you're gone, the world is gonna miss you for just a moment, and then it's gonna move on. And that's the truth. But God loves you, and if you've trusted in Christ, he's prepared a place for you. But right now on this earth, you're one of 7.5 billion people. And you're special, don't get me wrong. You have infinite value. You've been created in the image of God but you're special just like the other 7.5 billion people are special, okay? And it's just good to become small because when you become big, all the weight of the world is on your shoulders and that leads to panic and anxiety disorder and everything else, but when you become small, it's just like, okay, it's like the pressure release valve. It's like everything is, is going to be okay. My five-year-old, we, um, We went out to eat for Mexican food. And you know how some Mexican restaurants, they do it big. Like they got like streamers and bright colors and pinatas and and sombreros hanging from the ceiling and stuff. That was this Mexican restaurant. Pinatas everywhere. And so my five-year-old walks in and, and, and he's like, oh. And I'm like, why are you being weird? What's going on? And he's like, daddy. How did they know? I'm like, how did they know what? How did they know my birthday is in a week? You know? He's like, they did all this for me? And it's cute when you're five, but not when you're 25. Right? You walk into a room and you think everything's about you. It's not. It's not. You got a cameo in this movie that's all about Jesus. You're on the screen for about five seconds. And that's the truth. So live for him. Number nine, practice patience. Practice patience. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. This is Proverbs 21 verse 20. You may have heard good things come to those who wait. I don't know if good things come to those who wait. I know that most good things come uh, through waiting. That most things that are good are worth waiting for. It's something called delayed gratification. You need to learn it, you need to know it, you need to live by it, you need to deprive your flesh of um, instant pleasure in the moment so that you can have something greater. There's this story in Genesis chapter 25 where two brothers, Jacob and Esau, Esau comes home from hunting and he's hungry and Jacob has a bowl of stew and he says, give me that stew, I'm starving to death. And Jacob says, oh yeah? Well, I will give you some stew for your birthright. At this time, a birthright means an inheritance, uh, it means rights, it, it means you're your father's boy, like it means, it comes with a lot of things. But because he's hungry, he says, What do I care about my birthright? I'm hungry. And he trades his birthright for a cup of stew because he can't wait to eat, because he really wants something. Here's what I draw from that message. Trust yourself the least when you really, really want something. Okay? That is when you are the most untrustworthy. Trust yourself the least when you really want to treat yourself. Trust yourself the least when you really want to treat yourself. The the sad truth of it is that most of you will never experience the intimacy that God desires for you because you've traded it for sex. What dogs do on the side of the road. And you will never experience the intimacy as God intended. And you say, Well, why would you give us such a hopeless message? No, it's not hopeless because I'm not saying it's not available to you, okay? But I'm saying it comes through waiting and healing and a long season of patience that a lot of you won't take the time to endure. And now's the time to learn to not follow your flesh or follow your heart or do what feels good in a moment. And number 10, and this one helps with all the other ones, Learn to love accountability and ask for it. Learn to love accountability and ask for it. Proverbs 12 verse one says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. This one could be don't be stupid. There's this place in the Bible where God says, hey, this is what stupid people do. They hate correction. And so you don't wanna go at this alone. So here's what you might do. You might look back past those other one through nine, and find the one that's most relevant to you, And, and you may text your community group right now and say, hey, let's talk about this one. This is my area of struggle. I want you guys or girls praying for me in this area. I want you waging war with me in this area. I want you asking me about this on a weekly basis. Ask me if I'm lying to you, and then ask me if I'm lying to you about lying to you so that I could be free and I could have the life that God desires for me and that, I, that I'd be ready for whatever's next. Some of you have jumped in a community group and when it's hard, you jump out. Can I tell you something? Community is not found, it's forged. It's not found, it's fought for. I got in a community group 16 years ago, potluck, didn't choose the guys and didn't like any of them. Didn't have anything in common with any of them, okay? Okay. And I thought, hey, I'll never go back. But by the grace of God, the one thing I did right in a season where I did a lot of things wrong is I went back. And I kept going back every Thursday night. And I look back on that, and this is not an exaggeration. I say it all the time. God used that group of men more than any other thing to devour my life and to make me love him and to sanctify me, to call me into ministry, to heal my marriage. To, to rid my life of my porn addiction. To deal with my struggles. He used those men that I didn't even like. And I'm still running. I still run with the same men. We've added others to the group. Shane B is in my group. John Elmore is in my group. God, These guys that hold me accountable every single week. I texted them something last night. Hey, would you pray for me? This is something I just accidentally saw on my phone. Would you pray for me? And so now is the time to get wisdom. Now is the time to train for tomorrow's challenges. None of us want our life to look like a fail compilation. None of us want that. But, you know, it's funny because when we were at that park, that cable park, there were guys, there was this guy that went down off in front of me, and he went off that slide. He didn't look like I did. He, he did three flips and then dove. I'm like... How'd he do that? Here's, here's what I know about that guy. That wasn't his first time. That guy trained for that, he had practice. And so it's different. Like when you, you could think about athletes, right? Athletes train for an event. You would never just walk on at the Olympics at an event you've never done before. Because those guys have trained their whole lives for that. And there, there's this idea that everything adds up, that every moment is training for a future moment. Here's the reality you're all becoming something. Write that down. You're all becoming something. Listen, you want to be a good mom and a good wife, or a good dad and a good husband? Good moms and good wives don't just happen. They don't just choose one day, hey, I know that I've been unfaithful my entire life and I've, I've, I've been promiscuous in my thoughts and my actions, but now I'm going to be a great wife. And life doesn't work that way, okay? I don't, I don't like kids. I've never babysat. I don't even enjoy being around children, but I'm going to be a great mom. No, you're not, okay? No, it's something that happens when you're 18, when you're 22, when you're 33, and you begin to pursue wisdom. None of us would just walk on in the Olympics. Every moment is training for a future moment. Everybody's becoming something. Let me show you a video of of Louis Vito that paints this picture, a snowboarder. Would you watch this? Louis Vito didn't learn to snowboard by walking on at the Olympics, the X Games. He learned to snowboard when he got one for Christmas when he was three years old. And when he was in martial arts and jumping on the trampoline when he was 16. And when he was skateboarding to school. And when he was spending hours and hours and hours and hours on the mountains. Right now you are preparing for who you will be. That's the truth, that's the reality. Can I tell you something really important? If you don't know Jesus, the dumbest thing you could do is take this advice and try to avoid ruin in your life only to land in a place of eternal destruction. The smartest advice that you could take right now is to trust that Christ has died for your sins and that God has raised him from the dead and to live for him. But if you call yourself a Christian You say, hey, I'm a Christian. Would you just start living like a Christian? Like if you say, hey, I believe in God. Would you just start believing in God? Trusting in God? Small steps of faithfulness lead to faithful walks. Faithful walks with Jesus start with one foot in front of the other. Long obedience in the same direction trusting and obeying. Let me pray that you would. Father, thank you for these friends and for their desires to walk with you in faithfulness. Father, would you heal their hurts? Father, would you heal their addictions? Would you help them to have friends that can hold them accountable? Would you guide them in the path of life Help them not to go the way that seems right, but in the end leads to death. Father, would you help prepare them for whatever's next? Help them to be faithful today. Lord, we love you so much. We're thankful for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.